who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Since Pastor Mike returned from Honduras, we have had a spirit of revival in Solid Rock like I have never seen in my years of being here. And it's my prayer that we continue this momentum with revival going each Monday night and each Sunday that you come, and most importantly, every day in your life. We're looking for revival amongst God's people. And Pastor Mike brought that to us several weeks ago when he says, we are continuing to ask, seek, and knock. Those who do not ask, those who do not seek, and we don't continuously knock, we're never going to see revival take place in this church, much less in this, in this county or this country, in which we are in desperate need of today. And last Sunday... Pastor Mike brought a sermon. When God shows up, sin has got to go. The two don't mix. It's like having a Coke and a milk all at the same time. It don't go together. It's like having a conversation in the bathroom. doesn't really go together. It's like having a faded bumper sticker of last season's campaign and that candidate didn't win on your car. It don't go together. Pink on men. Some of y'all are wearing that. That's just my personal one. It don't go together. <laughs> Army personnel on Navy ships don't go together. That's why they got Marines. When God shows up, sin has got to go. Now, the opposite of this, when there are certain things we need from God, and if you cut them off, you're not going to have the connection. You fishermen know good and well that when you cut the line, you lose the fish. Right? The head coach leaves, the team crumbles. You cut the fuel line on your car, the car won't start. You unplug it from the electricity, appliances don't work. Connections are vital. And your connection to God is just as vital. When you're not connected, you don't work, you can't work. That's why today we're going to talk a little bit about how to stay connected in our request for our direction, for our understanding. Prayer is the key to staying connected. This was so evident in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1. Look at what, Jesus ha what happens here with Jesus and his disciples in verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he often did. And as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord Teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us of our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. And do not let us yield into temptation. Look at the sequence that Jesus brings in his opening prayer, Father, the acknowledgement of Father God in heaven. When you acknowledge the Father, you're immediately putting yourself in, in, in a setup so that you can have the next thing that Jesus asked for, which is his request. But it puts you in a state of mind. It puts you in a state of mind that who you are talking to is not just anyone. It's not just anybody. It is the creator God, the God of all the earth, the God of today, the God of tomorrow, and the God of the future. And then Jesus goes into this. It goes into his request. 
Too often, I believe, that we come to God with a shopping list of needs. We forget that we even acknowledge Him when we go straight for the request. And then we walk around with a hashtag of disappointment on our face because God didn't answer in the order it was received. You see, God is not a call center. He's not a catalog. He's not a request. But nonetheless, our prayer is a powerful tool. Prayer is the will of God, not God if you will. And third, prayer makes her life changes. And Jesus teaches that these, again, this should be daily through verse 3. Because when you unplug from the source, you cut off the communication with God. We are not designed to be self-powered. You're not solar-powered. I know you want to get out there in the parking lot right now and enjoy the sun. But that will not meet your everyday needs. Food meets your everyday needs. Am I correct? Some eat more than others. What happens when you get a little hungry? The old stomach's designed to tell you, hey, it's time to replenish. It's time to make something change here. You need to start putting something down your throat. I go to Chick-fil-A on a daily basis. It's very healthy at Chick-fil-A. But I meet the need. Sometimes we run to the cabinet. Sometimes we go through the drive-thru. In any which way we do this, we meet the need. But, but the problem is, it's that that's just a worldly need that we're meeting. You see, when you need God, you need to come through him in prayer, in acknowledgement. And your request should be in so that they are in line with what God would will for you in your life. Christ often pay, prayed for his disciples. He often prayed for his disciples. The apostle Paul often prayed for people he had never met. So when you're asked to pray for others, it's important to remember that you're going to be making a life-changing prayer in their life. Now, here at Solid Rock, we have a prayer request that each week that Robin updates. And there are many people on this this request. There are many names. And beside them are what they are requesting. Some are health. Some are financial. Some are jobs. There's things on there about our country and our government. And then there are those who come in here on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and specifically these Mondays, where they're praying for these needs to be met. But let me ask you this. When you pray, and when you pray, and God has impressed upon your life to pray for somebody, do you know exactly what to give them? Do you know exactly what prayer you need to be asking for or what you need to be requesting? Well, as we go through today, we're going to talk about what Paul gives us as a prayer that will have true impact on someone's life. This prayer is so powerful, it starts with requests. And every request that you're going to ask for is the will of God because God commands us to pray for others. There is nothing more sacred than pray for other people, as Jesus did on the cross when he was dying. Father, forgive those who not know what they do. So these requests are the will of God. Second, This prayer is appropriate for anyone. It fits every need. It's an encouraging prayer, and it's God-centered. So in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 9 through 14, I'll be reading now the New Living Translations, in case you're wondering. In verse 9, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave us of our sins. Again, this prayer is for those who you have been impressed upon to pray for. Or maybe you are a new believer looking for God's direction. Or maybe you've never asked God into your life, and this prayer very much speaks to you. The first thing you should do, and what you acknowledge the Father, much like Jesus did in verse uh, Luke 11, 1, the next thing you can do is request. Request for direction in someone's life. Now, I'm an Army officer. I've been in the Army for a good amount of time. And the first thing we do before we go on a patrol is we give an op order. And inside that op order, there are five paragraphs that are designed to tell every soldier what he is going to do. And it starts with the very first one called the situation. The situation is always something that has happened because normally army soldiers just don't go do anything. They have to have a reason to go do it. They have to be motivated. And inside this situation is the area of operation and the area of interest they're going to work within. They kind of give them the left and right limit, where to stay, where you're going. And also with this situation, they're going to give them the, the weather and the times and everything that's going on. And then most importantly, they're going to talk about the enemy. They're going to tell you what the enemy is doing, what the enemy is wearing, what the enemy is capable of, what are his assets, where is he located. And they're going to talk about the friendlies and what you're capable of doing. But the second paragraph is the really important one. That's the one, if you skip it, you might as well not even do it. It's called the mission statement. The mission starts off with who is going, what are you doing, where are you going? Now that where are you going is usually a 10-digit grid coordinate that we punch into our GPS, global positioning systems. I like to use those acronyms every once in a while. The global positioning system, we punch those in, and right there is where we are actually going. That is the direction we are going. And then from there, we're going to say we're going in a northward movement, and this is how fast we're going to do it. Now, the reason they give all that, because when it actually happens and they meet the objective and everything starts, bullets start flying and things start happening, every soldier in that platoon or that squad or that team knows exactly what to do at that point. And if something changes, all they got to do is revert back to their mission and say, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Regardless if the commander gets killed or the sergeant gets killed or whoever gets taken down, everybody else steps up and continues that mission. So directions are very, very important in the army. They're just as important to the believer in Christ. Now, if you noticed in this parking lot, we have done something miraculous. We put up signs, finally. We put up some signs. I've been struggling with this for a, a long time since I've been here at Solid Rock. But as you know, if you've been here for a while, this is the front back church. I wish we could rename it the front back church because you come into the front entrance and that's the back and you go to the back and that's the front. Well, we do that to confuse you. No, not really. We don't want to confuse you, but I got signs on everything now. I got signs on the food building. I got signs on the medical clinic. Signs on all the Sunday school classes. The parking lot's been restriped. It's got new places to park. The offices are still camouflaged. We're, we're happy not identifying those. So if you want to know where the offices are at, just keep driving around the parking lot. Hopefully you will find us. 
But in verse 9, Paul gives us recognition to the people right here. In verse 9, he starts with, So we have not started, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. Interesting enough that Paul never met these group of people. And he goes into many verses before this one, acknowledging them, giving credit to them, thanking them, acknowledging the believers who they are. Now, that's interesting because you know what happens in our church today when somebody comes and confesses Christ, the first thing we do is amen, clap, clap, fill out this card, we'll meet you in the back. We don't give praise to nothing. And yet Paul, was, he hasn't even met these people, and he's praising them for the things they've done, their faithfulness as believers, and the works they're doing in their area. He has given them total thanks, and yet today we don't even come close to doing that anymore. The people who give us the greatest thanks is Satan himself. The minute you mess up, he's proud as all get out, patting you on the back, continue on the good works that you're doing here for my, for my kingdom. But for Christ, we don't give any it says in the scriptures that the angels jubilate. They praise God. They're singing hallelujah day and night when believers come. But here on earth, God's people barely even raise their hand. We barely get into the mindset. Well, Paul's letter, again, it's a little longer than others. But Paul is praying that they know God's will. Now, having the ability to see from God's viewpoint is a great tool to have because we have been recently going through a strength assessment here at, at, within the staff. It's called GPS, and we've been going through it day and night. And day and night, we're supposed to. Uh, I usually just do it one day. Um, but there was, a, there was a, a neat little survey tool that had a strength assessment on it. And one of my strength came out, comes out that I have the ability to see solutions for, for problems, multiple solutions for different problems. I don't get so center-focused. Now, that's all well and good, but that's a worldly view of looking at things. I mean, when you get a worldly view of looking at things, you get worldly results. Well, we're not looking for worldly results. We want godly results. And for the past month, we've been looking at the, our youth department has been going through a... Um, a series called Live Different. Live Different. Now, this series has been about sexual purity and sexual impurity. And we've been looking at the world's view on sexuality. And if you haven't paid attention enough, it's out there and it's so blatant and so easy to see sex or sexual nudity on TV today, I don't even know why they have a censorship. You can find it on anything. You can Google it anywhere and something comes up you want to look at porn it's easy to find you don't have to sneak into your friend's house to go into his dad's closet it's accessible in your palm of your hand with your iphone and we've been teaching the youth to separate themselves to live holy lives which means to be separated to live different to be committed to the sexual purity of god's commands and we've been teaching them that sex is yes though it is okay it is okay for a man and woman who are married the world will tell them something else. When you're requesting prayer for somebody's life, request that they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. When you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, your conversation, your conduct, your character is going to be consistent with Christ. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, Imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Now imitate. That word imitate means to follow. means to copy. Copy God. 
I often see Christians, and yes, I'm a victim myself because I do it all the time. We're human, okay, so we mess up a good bit. But often my character is not consistent with Christ. I get caught up in a world view or I get caught up in a world comment. I see Christians who say I'm a professed believer, but everything out of their mouth is a four-letter word. And if you haven't been around that, come to the army. I'm not sure. Maybe that's why they have acronyms. They can't get over four letters. But imitating, imitating Christ is different than pretending that you're with Christ. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, very, 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 very good part of Scripture right here. In verse 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break the laws. These pretenders had very much characters and consistent as if though they were followers of Christ. And yet God says he never knew them. So they can infiltrate us very easy. I like, to, I like to, every once in a while, imitate my own children. Because they like to mess up and they like to get upset and do things. And when they do that, I like to imitate that because it's for comic relief. When Brother Lanny was here, he was a comedian. He could imitate so many different people. It was very funny. Uh, we used to do this one series and we used to play around in the church. And we would call it, Bless Me If You Can. And we were making, we, you know, we were, maybe we were imitating folks that we thought should have a better, better godly spirit. But imitating is not the same as pretending. Imitating is following a Christ walk. Pretending, you can get away with that for a long time. But when you enter the kingdom of heaven, do not be the one that Christ looks at you and says, I never knew you, get away from me, you who break the laws. Another request that you should make for somebody in their life is that their life will have an impact. This request is a powerful request because this is the outreach that you should be doing, the evangelizing for other people, the non-believers, the individuals you are praying for. If you're praying for somebody, there's a good chance that they don't know Christ. So this part right here, to have an impact in their life, I can't give that person enough credit and thanks who the evangelist was that came to Eastwood Baptist Church in Conyers back in 1991 who brought the word and had an impact on my life where I converted at that point, where I gave up my life to Christ, where I repented of the sins at that point and asked him into my heart. That person had an impact in my life, and somebody had to pray that prayer for him. Somebody had to evangelize him. Somebody had to bring him the word of God, and that's what we're doing today. You should be bringing the word of God so that they will have an impact on somebody else's life. Our children should be the ones you should be impacting on today. They're the ones that's going to hopefully bring out the word of God to the next generation because we have gotten lazy in doing it ourselves. Having an impact in verse 10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. This is not a request just to stay busy. I can keep you busy. Trust me. I got many things going on here at the church. I can make you busy. You'll never want to come back. But that's, not what, that's not what Paul is saying. It's not what Paul is saying. He's wanting these impacts 
to be godly impacts. The parable of the four soils is the most impactful portion of this where it really shows the fourth soil there, the fourth soil, the fertile soil, the one that we pray that everyone in this church is planted upon so that they grow up and their harvest is 10 and 30 folds, more than the one seed that was planted. The impact, the ripple effect. I continue to think about the people who have impact in my life. Not only was that one evangelist, but my youth pastor. My parents had impact in my life. My former pastor had impact in my life. Pastor Mike had impact in my life. Brother Terry has had an impact in my life. And we pray that when you pray, that somehow God will have an impact in their life. I often wonder if my parents prayed in advance when I was a young child. Did they pray in advance that I would have an impact in life? Did they pray in such a way that maybe down the road it was finally answered? I believe that to be the case. I don't believe I would be standing here today if my parents probably daily and hourly with the way I grew up prayed that I would have an impact in my life because I was going down such a road that had disasters written all over it. And I pray that you parents and you grandparents continue to pray for your children and other children to have an impact. It's not just a one-time prayer. We've got to continue that one all the way through. The next one, request a desire to know God. The request is not the same as God's direction for prayer. This is the one that we really want people to know, to really know God. Y'all remember Gertrude? She was, a, she was a wonderful servant here at Solid Rock Baptist Church. She was here for many, many years. She's one of the first members to ever grace this campus with Pastor Mike. And when she passed, I saw her old Bible. Her Bible was marked up. It was highlighted. It had notes. The leather was all destroyed. The pages had been crinkled. She had been really getting to know God. She studied God's Word. She read God's Word. She tried to apply God's Word the best she can in her life. There's no need to read the Word if you're not going to apply it. It's like going and, and getting a set of instructions for a model, looking at the instructions and throwing them out and doing it yourself. You're not going to get a very good produced model unless you study, apply. But her Bible is so worn out. And I remember looking at that and I remember, oh, I would love for my Bible to look like that. I try to take care of it for some reason. I try to pretend like it's a, it's a holy artifact and that they're going to find it in the museum one day and it's going to be perfect. That's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to get this old, this Bible dirty. He wants you to tear the pages and move it and highlight it because a dirty Bible is a clean heart. Observe the consequences in that. You study God's word, you're going to change. You pray for somebody to know God in such a way, they're going to change. The next one, request to experience the power of God. There's nothing impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We got some men over here, they're going through alcohol and drug rehabilitations. I got a friend of mine, very dear to me, going through a drug rehabilitation. And there was times where I thought, man, he's going down that wrong road. It's never going to get right with him. I don't know what to do. And I kept praying, God, please have an impact in his life. Show the power. Experience what I've experienced. And today he's in a rehabilitation going through it right now. And so God is turning his life around, his family's life around. He's experiencing the power of God. Every day they're going through a Bible study. When he comes back here, I cannot wait to share with him and, and find out what he has learned. Because he's going to be a different person. I myself have experienced the power of God. You as believers have experienced the power of God. When you gave up that old self, that Holy Spirit indwelled in you. You have felt that power. You have knelt here at the, at the altar and been broken at the foot of the cross. 
and felt God come down and pick you up, my child. He will not leave you. He will always walk with you. That is his power. And sixthly, request to have the right attitude. Lord, we know so many folks that don't have the right attitude. The bless me is if you can. It's like no matter what you do, no matter how many times you smile, no matter how many times you shake their hand, they're not happy. And if you're in Christ, there's no reason why you shouldn't be happy. I read a nice little article talking about total obedience to the Word of God is total freedom. How could you not be happy with total freedom? By joyfully giving thanks, you have a fourfold motivation to continue to give thanks. First of all, you're qualified to give thanks. If you're a believer, you're qualified. Thank you. You've been rescued. It's like being out in the ship at sea and falling off the boat and somebody rescues you. You normally would give them thanks. Thanks for finding me. That's a big ocean. You've been transferred. You're now part of God's children. Just like Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, because of everything you do, you are in God's children. You've been transferred into a family. You're not an orphan anymore. He has not abandoned you. You've been transferred into the, into the will of God. And lastly, the reason you should give thanks is because you have been forgiven. He forgave us first so that we could have everlasting life. Because I guarantee you we cannot do it by ourselves. We were on the earth, possibly some theologians think, all of just a, a day before we messed it up. Give us two days and see what would happen. But fourth, last thing here, when you have the right attitude, it makes you an attractive person. It keeps you kind. And there's nothing nicer than coming up to a kind person, thanking that person. It makes them attractive. They can be the ugliest person in the world and yet have the greatest attitude and you just love them to death. We've been talking again about the revival that's taking place in this church. It is happening. And it's because God's people are praying for it to happen. Changes in your life are happening through prayer. You can disconnect. We're not going to see the will of God anytime soon. And we're watching too many, too many of our churches crumble and fall apart. But not for solid rock. That is not what God's will is for here. Mike has brought us something magnificent that hasn't taken place in many years. And it's a revivalist spirit. A spirit that I do not want to see quit. And it will not quit with God's people if they continue to pray. Stand with